scripture reading this morning will be coming from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And it reads, As for you, you were dead in the transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of this kingdom, of the air, the spirit who is now at work, and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one, Time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in his in, in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourself it is the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Good morning. Should we take a vote and see how many of y'all just want to sit quietly and listen to the babies chatter? That'd be worth it. On cue, we had one. I've lost track of which one's which back there, so we'll have to sort it out. But it's all good. Before we get into our lesson this morning, let's have our prayer together, please. Father, you are our God, our creator, our source of life. And we are awed and amazed, Father, at all that you've promised. That through your Son, you provide forgiveness. You've made us holy. You've given us hope. You've given us joy. And we know, Father, as we go through this day, that we don't have to fear what will be, whether in life or death, that you are faithful. That we know, Father, that we have a home with you because of your Son. And we know, Father, that you've done so much for us here. Help us, Father, to trust you more. To know that all that you've said, that we can lean with our whole lives. And know that you will keep your word in every way grateful, Father, for the life that you've given us through your Son, and we want so much to be with you one day, and may that day be soon, Father. For through Jesus we pray, amen. Any of y'all have a mug or anything else with something like this on it? David has a pen. If y'all want to catch one, David Pearson has a pen today. Best dad ever. I don't know if we'll put that to a vote, because I think the ones who matter 
have already voted. Now, when we look at that kind of thing, just so you all know, I had on my computer a best mom in the world, but uh, my computer didn't like it and didn't keep it, so I don't know what happened to it. But these kind of things, when you think about it, getting these mugs, getting these gifts, how many of us as parents look at that and go, it, it feels good, doesn't it? Just an acknowledgement of who you are and what you've done and your place in the lives of your children, it does have an impact on us. And for all of us, when somebody acknowledges something that, that's good, something that's going on, you know, we, we, have, we have a response to it in our hearts because we, it makes us feel seen. It makes us feel acknowledged and that the people that matter most to us care for us. There are words that God speaks that I think are the most precious to hear. In Matthew chapter 25, akin to these others, Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells a parable about some servants who are given talents by their master, and they come back and give a report of what, they, what they've done with what their master has given to them. And so the one who has received two comes back with two more. The one that's received five comes back with five more. And after these two, as he comes back, says, uh, the master replies to him and tells them, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things that will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And that phrase is one that, wouldn't that can you all imagine hearing God say that to every one of us? Well done, good and faithful servant. I, those are precious words. Those are so very encouraging to even anticipate and think about that what goes on in our lives, that the way we've lived, the, what we've had go on, that we know that, our growth, our progress, knowing where we've been and where we are now, that God sees that and he would acknowledge that. That in, in our, our, our efforts to try and, and honor and please him and do what he wants in this world, that God sees that and he honors that. And, and to say that he has seen the good that we've done. Uh, Matthew chapter 10, there's a similar, phrase, uh, similar way he frames this. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous per person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you that that person will certainly not lose their reward. Right? This is similar in that vein of well done, in that sense of what we've done in this world, that God sees that and acknowledges that the good that's done in us. Matthew chapter 16, again he says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for the soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Now, the, the idea of reward, that, said that, that what we've got going on is that something that God sees that and, and acknowledges it, and it's there for us, and so that we have that. Now, that idea of a reward is that something that we've received because we deserve it. Isn't that how reward works? That what, what good we've done, that God has rewards us because we have deserved that from based upon what we've done, according to what they have done, he says here. 
So when we look at the idea of, of a reward, we see that, that idea of deserving, of being worth it, being having that come into, into play. So we know that that idea of, of deserving it means that when he talks about a reward, he's giving us based upon what we've done. So he says, if you've even given a cup of cold water to one of his disciples, you, you will certainly not lose your reward. You'll, get so, you'll be rewarded for that. You'll, you'll have, there'll be knowledge of that. Chapter 25, when he talks about that, the servants doing good with what he's given them. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You, you've done well with the little bit I've given you. I'm going to be char- put you in charge of many things. And so it's a response to what we've done in that aspect of things. Now, the thing about reward, the root word of reward in, in, from the Greek is the idea to hire, to hire somebody. And so when you think about it from that perspective, a reward is getting what you've done at the end of what, getting what you deserve at the end of what you've done. Just like a job, right? So when, you, when you've gone to work and you've done your work and you get a paycheck, do any of you all get surprised and go, oh, I didn't, this is great. I didn't expect to get paid. We know we expect to get paid. You put in the hours, you put in the effort, you expect that to happen. And so the idea of reward is getting what you deserve. Now here's the, here's the kicker. Here's the point that we may struggle with. Because how many of us, with this kind of frame in mind, believe we really don't deserve that much? How many of us would say, as long as I can just get into the gates of heaven, just inside? Because we don't feel like we're going to deserve anything more beyond that. We don't deserve anything great. We don't deserve any kind of reward because we know how our lives have gone up to this point. And we look back and it's hard for us to see how God would acknowledge anything because of how much we have really messed things up. And there's a challenge for us when we talk about a reward. Because when we think about what we deserve, a lot of us have problems that come out of that. What do we deserve? And when you think about deserve in one way, Paul talks about himself in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He says, I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Any of y'all feel like you could give Paul a run for his money and say, Paul may have been pretty bad, but let me tell you, I don't think he can compare to where I, what I've done and where I've been. Instead of saying world's best dad, a lot of us would feel like we should be wearing a pen that says world's worst sinner. I can tell you what, what I've said. I can tell you what I've carried around in my heart. I can tell you what I've done in my life. And when we talk about deserve, it is hard to get past that. In Ephesians chapter 2 from our scripture reading, in fact, he, he lays that out for us. He says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler and the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. There's that deserving again, isn't it? But this isn't a deserving where we talk about a reward. He's talking about deserving deserving something far worse. And so for many of us, when we look at the idea of deserve, this is where our minds go. 
Because we don't see in our life how we could ever measure up to anybody else. In fact, how many of us could look around and go, let me tell you what, everybody else seems to be doing better than I've ever done. It seems to me that everybody else is much more deserving than I am of anything good coming from God. And so we feel that way that we, we see that and we look around us and, and how many times do we see the good people in, in this world and we think, I, I don't even deserve to be in the same room with them. And so we wrestle with that aspect of things. But let me tell you the truth. Well, and we know this. Rewards are given to the, to the deserving. And we look at that and how many of us opt out and feel like we don't belong. So what do we do with how we feel undeserving? Because of what we've done and what we've chosen in our life. What do we do with that? Here's where we need to keep in mind. It's easy for us to look around at each other and see the good, wonderful people that are here among us. But the reality is, in Romans 3, and 23, says there's no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How many of us in our lives have chosen and done what makes us undeserving? And he says, all of us. None of us are an exception. And you may look around and see people that you think glow in the dark because they're so good. But the reality is, is if you knew what they had chosen in the past, if you knew their life, you would know every time they stumbled, every time they misspoke, when they wished they had not said those words, every time they made a choice that that they wish they hadn't done. All those things you would see in their life that they probably are looking back the same way at us going, look at all these folks who are a lot better than I am. And it puts us into a tough spot when we think about being undeserving. But here's, here's something we have to keep in mind. When we think about the reality is when God talks about, when Jesus is talking about the rewards given out because of what somebody does, and when we talk about being undeserving and this idea of the life that we've lived before, really we've shifted topics. We're not talking about the same thing. We're talking about two different things. Because in one, when we talk about our, our sins, our, our, our failures, everything that's gone on in our lives where we've messed up and we're no longer deserving of anything that God gives, we're not talking about the good things that's going to result in a reward. We're talking about what we need God to help us to get out of this mess. In Romans chapter 5, now these are some of my favorite verses. Beginning in verse 6, he says, you see, it's just the right time. When we were still powerless unable to do what needed to be done. When we were still powerless, Christ died for who? Y'all catch that? The ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see how the topic here isn't You've done enough good, now God wants to reward you with heaven. He says, while we were undeserving, Christ died for us. While we were ungodly, while we were outside and and had no thought of what ought to be, Christ died for us. And since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, being reconciled, shall we be now... 
shall we be saved through his life. Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So when we talk about what we've done that we wish we hadn't, when we talk about those things that we've chosen, the words that we've spoken that we wish had never come up, when there are those moments when we should have said something and we didn't, all those things in our life that we, we look over and we say, I am a mess. God looked at us and, say, and said, I love you and let me show you how we're going to get this taken care of. And he reconciles us back to himself through his son. Now, the, the, the challenge in all of this is to now we have to acknowledge Here's where we have to acknowledge that the idea of salvation is not a reward. It's not something we've received because we've got all our ducks in a row and that we've got our lives lived out perfectly well and we're doing so many good things that God is just awed by us that he wants us to now come to be with him. The salvation is how God takes care of all of the mess that we've done in our lives, all of the the struggles, all the failures, everything that God provides for us in that moment. And the only way we're going to get there is because God is willing to give it to us through his son. That that salvation is not a reward, but a gift in our lives. And because of it, that we know we don't deserve it. Here's the contrast. In talking about Abraham, in Romans chapter 4, Paul says, you know, look at Abraham. Good guy. Father of the faithful. An example held up to us, right? But he says, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. The contrast, he says, is in one area, when you talk about the idea of forgiveness and salvation and life in Christ, this is not something that's given to us because we've earned it. It's not because we've been hired on and that we've done all the right, we've, we've managed to get our lives together. In, when I talk about getting all our ducks in a row, some of you all are thinking your life is more like a bunch of cats. That you don't even wear half of them are, much less trying to get them to behave and line all up. And when we look at it from that perspective, we know there is no hope that I could ever get my life where, where it's going to be where, what God needs it to be for me to be able to stand before him and say, I've got it all straightened up now. That I need him to take care of this. And in that, he says that we're trusting him to take care of us. We're trusting him to get us there. And, and this is where when we talk about rewards, we talk about the things that are good and we've done right. But when we talk about a gift... When we talk about trusting, it means we have to admit where we failed. And when we think about things being reward, we don't want to admit our failures. We don't want to admit our sins. But to trust God is to be able to say, Lord, I've made a mess. And to be able to admit truthfully what we've done, what we've chosen in our lives, what we've said that was wrong, what, all that goes on, that just to be honest with ourselves and come before God saying, there's no way I could ever take care of this in that admission. And it's, it's to, to say, I, I need, the one I need is God. And so we make a change in our lives. We turn things toward God because he's our hope. Because, you know, in life, how many of us are used to No matter what our age, we're used to taking care of things ourselves. And the hardest thing that we have to do in life sometimes is to ask for help. 
And this is what happens when we turn to God in Christ, that we have to turn to Him and ask for help. And says, I can't do it. I need you, Lord. And make a change in how we think to where it's not about me. It's trusting Him to get things taken care of. And in that trust, to be able to just surrender to all things. And when we talk about baptism, you think about it. What have we done whenever we've been baptized? Is it something where we go, good job, you've done something wonderful? Or is it there in that moment, we're trusting God to be faithful to His promises? And that the only meaning to it is because God said, you, you bury your life here. You let it die, and I'll give you a brand new one. And, every, and your sins will be taken care of. You'll, be, you'll have a life of hope. You'll be His, His child in every way. Nothing, nothing that makes us anything special. Maybe look at it this way. If you, have, if you have sons or daughters, if you have, now if you're younger than this, kind of imagine what, what would be if your parents did this to you. But if you have sons or daughters, if you have grandchildren, how many of you have decided you'll keep your children once they earn it, once they deserve being your children? Did your children ever deserve it? Being fed and housed and taken care of and given clothes, did, you, did they ever deserve it? Did we ever deserve it, being our parents' children? Grandkids deserve it. They're special, so that's that. But when we talk about being children, being my mother's son, I don't go, you know, I tell you what, it was a struggle. She didn't want me around until I finally behaved well enough. She said, okay, you're mine. It never happened that way. There was no way I was going to be able to do it. but, But because I was her child, she was the one that made me her child because I was born I didn't deserve it at all, but I was still her child. And no matter what I've got going on, you know what, it, what I've told you, I think, before about my brothers. I've got one that's, that's passed away. I've got one that's, that's uh, enjoying y'all's tax dollars and TDCJ. But the reality is my youngest brother is still her child. And all my things and all my struggles, I'm still her child. We don't ever lay out children as being deserving. Where they get to the point where they say, okay, I'll keep you this time. They're just our children. And so when we think about it from that aspect, when we think about the grace and mercy of God, in salvation we become God's children, His sons, His daughters. And He loved us so much. He loves us so much that Christ died for us so that we could come back home. We are His children. In Christ, not because we deserved it, but because he brought us to him in Christ. And grace and mercy. And in the the last part of our scripture reading, did y'all notice the pattern? I love, we were dead, but now, but now because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgression. Transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through, your, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. 
You hear the emphasis? He says, you've been, you are, can be forgiven. You can be brought back to God. You can be restored to him and reconciled to him, not because you deserve it, but because of God's love, his kindness, his grace, his mercy. All that he does, there's nothing that we're able to do to ever become good enough. It doesn't work that way. Salvation isn't a reward. But in salvation, God is telling us that he wants us, that he loves us. And he wants us back home. Maybe what we ought to do when we think about rewards is think about them this way. Because the reality is when we have our children, we still celebrate when they do good, don't we? I mean, that's a lifelong thing in our lives. Whenever, whenever a little one first takes their steps, what do we do? We celebrate. Because it's something great that they've been able to learn and accomplish. When they start saying all the right words like dad and, well, sometimes mom and uh, actually, I know mama tends to be the focus a lot of times. But that, when they learn that, we celebrate it. They get into school and we, we celebrate with them. When they, when they manage to put together enough days to have no absences, we celebrate that with them. When they do well in their grades, we celebrate that with them. When they've done well whether in, in, in sports, when they've done well in life, when they've done something well, we celebrate. But all that time, they're still our child. They're still our child. And in a sense, when we talk about the, the rewards that God gives us, it's, we're his child and he, he watches us and he, he sees how we improve and how we grow and he celebrates with us. says, good. Oh, well done. Well done. And so for us, what we have to remember is that God has given the invitation already. He says, come home. 